Will you please join me in the prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. The scripture for today comes to us from Jeremiah 29 as follows. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. All right, I know, I'm not usually a music stand, but, but I promise in about three minutes, you'll forgive me. You will. So over the course of this series, um, we've been tackling these really foundational concepts, both of the Christian faith in general and, and Methodism more particularly. We've looked at sin, grace, perfection, scripture, and the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Today we come to this word, the providence of God. So providence, it's one of those words. We don't use it very much today. And I find that when people do use it, they um, frequently maybe fudge a little bit on correctness. It's not a word we really know. In doing research, I found John Wesley, he understood it in three very traditional categories. Providence is God's continuing preservation of the created order. Providence is God's cooperation in the action of creatures to meet their needs. And providence, hang in with me, is God's governance of the world aimed at the ultimate consummation of God's righteousness when God will be all in all. So if you're like me, the first two, God's preservation of creation, God's cooperation to meet needs, that I can hang with, right? It clicks, it makes sense, but, but I get to wrapping my brain around that third one, and I will confess that I have had to use another book to really get into it. It was a very special book to me. The book that has been most helpful, I, I think Jake has a picture of it. It's a deep and profoundly theological book. It's called um, The Search for Snuffle Grunt's Treasure. <laughs> okay, yes, it's okay, it really is. The Search for Snuffle Grunt's Treasure. It was one of my favorite books as a kid. And in case you think I'm telling you this story the way sometimes preachers tell stories, this is my original first edition 1985 Search for Snuffle Grunt's Treasure. I know it's a first edition because 1985 was the only edition of the Hunt for Snuffle Grunt's Treasure. <laughs> It, it's not a deep book, it's not a profound book, it's not an award-winning Newbery Caldecott book. But what it was is my very first choose-your-own-adventure book. 
the hunt for Snufflegrunt's treasure launched a lifelong obsession with choose-your-own adventure books. And I think that when I try and understand Providence, coming back to the choose-your-own-adventure book is the best example I can find. But it's one of those examples that's really hard to explain. It's actually much easier to experience. So, we're gonna go on an adventure. In your bulletin, you probably got two sheets that look like this. A red one and a blue one. You are now an interactive part of the sermon. So remember, if we go long, no longer my fault. You're gonna get to make some choices, starting with this one. If from this point, you would like to talk about scripts, you'd like to talk about scripts, you're gonna hold up your blue card. If you would like to talk about contracts, you're gonna hold up your red card. So scripts, blue card, contracts, red card. I promise there's no political distinctions here. Scripts, hold up your blue card. Contracts, hold up your red card. Oh, blue cards went up really, really fast. All right, sorry, red cards, you were behind. You'll have to try next time. <laughs> so scripts, sometimes when we talk about providence, in fact, I think most often when we talk about providence, you'll hear, God has a plan for your life, right? Or I had lots of friends say, I'm just, I'm trying to discern the next step in God's plan for me. Have you ever heard that? Plan is a funny term. It is true. God does have a plan. God's plan is the continued preservation of creation and to meet the needs of God's creatures and to govern creation into complete redemption. What God does not have is a billion page script. I hear the word plan sometimes, and I get this image of like really young, you know when you do the third grade play, and that first rehearsal when you had to be off the book, the first time all your little third grade actors stood up on the stage without the script in their hand and tried to do the show. They stumble around, they've half learned their lines. Sometimes they'll hit their marks and they'll say it right and they'll even be looking at the audience and it's brilliant, but most of the time it's kind of a little bit of scary chaos. And somewhere way back in the auditorium sits the director in the shadows with the script, nodding or marking, and it's only when the scene gets so far gone that it cannot be rescued, the director calls a halt and resets and tries to start this thing again. If we're thinking about that as the way God has a plan, it's actually a little bit of a terrifying image. I've been a third grade actor. It's really scary to stand on the stage and not know what you're supposed to be doing. It's really scary to think of a God who only intervenes when things are so far gone, they cannot be pulled back on track. We talk about God having a plan, but it isn't 
a predestined, predetermined, you have to do the right thing at this moment or not. It's an interactive plan. The plan for us is good, not ill. The plan is to give us a hope for the future. But the particulars of the plan, those I believe are genuinely shaped by the choices we make. So let's make a choice. If you would like to talk about wealth, then hold up your blue card. And if you would like to talk about wandering, hold up your red card. Wealth, wandering. Ooh, ooh, oh, okay, this entire section wants to go wandering, so. <laughs> that phrase you heard me just say, the Lord has a plan for you, a plan for good and not for ill, a plan to give you a future with hope. Hopefully that was at least a little bit familiar. Robert just read a version of it for us. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, there may be some of you at this moment who are recognizing how deeply and hilariously ironic it is to have Kate Walker preaching on Jeremiah 29, 11. In all my years as a youth director, there never failed to be a graduation Sunday when I would say, so what scripture shall we use? And the first answer was, Jeremiah 29:11. Remember interactive experience? Yes. And, and you know, if you walked into a Lifeway Bible Christian bookstore, they would be on your side. Around graduation time, you can get Jeremiah 29:11 on a coffee mug, a keychain, a wall hanger, a journal. You can get like a t-shirt specialized, a graduation cap hanger. And so I had many frustrated youth when Without fail, and often with much exasperation, I would say, no. And I felt a little bit like the bad guy, but I promise you it was for a good reason. See, we read Jeremiah 29:11, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. It sounds like a great guiding verse, right? But the thing is, those warm fuzzies that we get only come when you read that verse by itself. Back up to verse 10. That whole section starts with, only when the days of Babylon are complete. And if you keep going, if you get into 14 and 15, I will let you find me, I will gather you back, from the nations, from the places I have driven you. I will call you back from your exile. Jeremiah 29:11 is a letter written by a prophet, not a warm fuzzy prophet, to a conquered people in the midst of exile. These small verses are a good window on hope, but they are a window on hope to a people who have no other evidence that it could possibly be true. When Babylon swept in and destroyed Jerusalem, they gathered up the cream of the crop, the teachers, the artisans, the scholars, the engineers, and they carried them off into a foreign land 
where they knew nothing. And there were lots of people in that group who said, eh, it'll be fine, it's gonna be short. We are the people of God. God would never do this to us. I promise you it'll be over in a second. But Jeremiah says, mm, yeah. Truth is, you made some mistakes. And you are the people of God. But mistakes have consequences. God is going to take care of you, but settle in. Things are gonna be tough for a while. 70 years, that's more than a generation. Things are gonna be tough for a long, long, long while. Take your cards. If you wanna hear about struggles, about things being tough, hold up your blue one. But if you wanna hear about the blessings those other prophets promised, hold up your red ones. Again, immediate, you, right, okay. So blessings, there were other prophets in the time of Jeremiah. They weren't good prophets because we don't have their words left, but they were there. And I think their descendants sometimes hang around. Sometimes when you hear us talk about providence, you'll hear, God has a plan, God wants to bless you, you just have to blank. Right, anybody heard this? This is a phrase? If you, the implication is if you follow this rule, if you pray this prayer, if you possibly send money my way to my ministry, then God is going to open up and bless you. And when they say bless, make no mistake, they mean God is going to give you health and wealth. And if you have health and wealth, then you must be happy. Sometimes you'll hear preachers call this the prosperity gospel. If you believe in God, everything will be okay. If you are one of God's chosen people, then you're gonna be healthy, you're gonna make money, things are gonna work out in your favor. God just wants you to be the best self. Well, they got part of it. God does want you to be your best self. But the truth is that has very little to do with making money, and it doesn't guarantee that you will always be happy. The trouble with the prosperity gospel is that it isn't so much gospel as contract, right? I will do A, B, and C. God will give me X, Y, and Z. And it is a contract between me and God. Forget the rest of y'all. When we as Methodists, as Christians, talk about providence, we don't talk about just me and God. We talk about God's preservation of all creation. We don't talk about excess. We talk about God's cooperation to meet needs of every creature. We don't talk about happiness, which is contingent upon your circumstance. We talk about finding joy, which is deep and abiding. We talk about peace, even in the midst of trial. We talk about wholeness under God's governance all the way into restoration. Prosperity promises quick fixes 
and easy life, but providence offers deep assurance that when those promises fail, God will come through. When life is not easy and there are no fixes in sight, God is faithful and remains steadfast. If you need to hear a word of faithfulness, blue card. A word of restoration, yellow card. Faithfulness, restoration, this is the tough choice. It was for 832. Faithfulness, restoration. Uh, We'll go, faithfulness. It was a tough call, you'll get there. (laughs) We are not alone in being like Jeremiah's people. There are moments in our lives when we feel like we are in exile. When home, when comfort, when safety is far away. This question always comes up when we start talking about the providence of God. If God is good, if God is faithful, then how can bad things happen? Especially how can bad things happen to good people? It's not a question with an easy answer. I could do an entire sermon series just on this. But the Reader's Digest version is, we live in a broken world. God didn't make it broken, but it got that way, and God is doing everything God can for restoration and wholeness. But in the meantime, we make mistakes. We break relationships, we sin. That has consequences on our life, it has consequences for the people around us, and so sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes bad things happen even when we feel like we have done everything right. It's a question of theodicy. But to steal a line, from Hollywood. Have you ever seen the best exotic marigold hotel? Providence works like this. It says everything's gonna be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end. Bad things happen to good people, but that is never the end of the story. I loved Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid. I loved that sense of crafting the story around me. But I started reading them when I was five, and by the time I was six, I had figured out that as fun as the choices were, the possibilities were not endless. All of the endings had already been written. That's why I kept Snufflegrunt when I found it in a box my first year of seminary. Because that's how I came to understand providence. Just like this sermon, I promise you, the choices you made mattered. This was a different sermon than 8.30 heard, but we were always gonna end up here. Because the choices you make in life matter. But to be a faithful Christian is to know that the end of the story has already been written. 
the author of life has already said it will be a victory. The choices along the way matter. Don't give up. That's why Wesley hated predestination. Don't give up. But know when there is no other evidence to the contrary that God is always going to win. We believe as a faithful people in a God who is faithful to us. And a faithful God always fulfills the promises. So we believe that really the sick shall be restored. We believe really the blind shall see. We believe that all who seek the Lord shall indeed find. All who have wandered are not lost and will be called back from the nations. We believe that all that was broken to the end of creation will indeed be restored under the governance of the Lord. We really believe that every knee shall bend, that every tongue shall confess. We believe that every tear shall be dried, that every step of mourning and struggle shall be turned into dancing. And if you don't know that part of the story, you have to come back next week when Peter takes Revelation. Because it is the greatest moment. We were given a promise at the cross and the tomb, and we know that God is faithful to come through. We know in the midst of trial and struggle that that is but exile. And though we may settle in and seek the welfare of the city, God will call us back into relationship, into peace, into joy. God is the author not only of our life and its plan, but the whole of creation. And the author's ending of the story is far better than anything we could imagine. This is the story we believe, and it is the story we proclaim every time we say a creed. So would you stand with me? In your bulletin on the screen, yes. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, There is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace the ground of our hope and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in service of love as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen.
Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. And, and though the steps matter, we know the end of the journey has already been determined. And so together we take steps recognizing that some of us, it's time to join a small group. For others, it's time to be involved in a caregiving ministry, maybe even to receive care ourselves. Uh, in, uh, next week, we'll talk about revelation and end times, but the Sunday after that, we'll begin a series on parenting. Maybe your next step is to invite those in your sphere of influence uh, to come and get support as we learn together about the importance of parenting and families. Uh, whatever your next step is, I hope that you are beginning to take that step. And if you need help, that's what pastors and friends and uh, other church members are here for. Um, if today's the day for taking a next step of joining this congregation, I hope that you'll come down during our closing song, uh, which is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh, David's going to be coming and leading us in that right now. Why don't you, uh, I think the lyrics will be on the screen, but it never hurts to have your hymnal as well. It might be an unfamiliar uh, tune, but it's a wonderful song. Okay, so if you have your red and blue car, I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, what a blessing it is to be together. Um, I want to remind you that uh, Harold and Lucinda Johnson are here representing the Stephen ministry. If you'd like someone to pray with you right now, they're prepared to do that or to arrange care for you or for someone you love uh, through Stephen ministry. And the brown door right back there is our prayer chapel. It's open all the time. We'd love for you to uh, take advantage of it and find a place to pray there. And Pastor Kate has our benediction. Find a hand next to you. Wherever you are on the road, whether life is bright or it seems the sun will not shine. Know that the end of the story has already been written and that we are called by the God who not only created and loves us but walks beside to sustain us, to go forth, to proclaim God's faithfulness and to live as though we were already in his glory. So go now into the world to proclaim the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to all you meet. Amen. Amen.